At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three in one, with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non toxic, non flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option, backed by years of R&D, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal, the professional's choice. This episode is brought to you by Nice Job. Visit nicejob.com to learn all about the reputation marketing tools available for small businesses. Collect two to three times more reviews, share that social proof on your website and social media, and get more leads and sales. New signups can get $50 off when they mention the HVAC Know-It-All podcast. Visit get.nicejob.com to learn more. This podcast is sponsored by The Master Group. Check them out for all your truck stock needs and all your Source 1 parts. If you work on a ton of Yorks like I do, check out master.ca. What's up, guys? Welcome back. Trevor Matthews is back on the podcast. He's not with Copeland slash Emerson anymore. He's going to talk about this new journey he's on as the refrigeration mentor. And we're going to talk about a little bit about the difference between AC refrigeration and just get into the whole mentorship and training thing with Trevor. Coming up right now on the HVAC Know It All podcast, I'm your host, Gary McCready. Welcome to the HVAC Know-It-All Podcast, recorded from a basement somewhere in Toronto, Canada. Your host and HVAC tech, Gary McCready, will take you on a deep dive into the industry discussing all things HVAC, from storytelling to technical discussion. Enjoy the show. Trevor, welcome back, man. Oh, Gary, thank you so much for having me again. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, no no problem, man. Uh, So you're back as like sort of like a new man this time and we got to talk about that we got to talk about that in uh maybe in like we got to get all the secrets out of you right (laughs) yeah (laughs) i'm just kidding we don't need all the secrets but we need to know what's going on like you left emerson and you started your own gig refrigerationmentor.com tell us about it oh yeah so thank you for having me again gary and yes um start refrigeration mentor um in September and it's been amazing. Uh, super excited because it's really what I have a huge passion for is training, education and mentoring. And uh, my whole goal is to really help technicians out there, help contractors out there build uh, high, highly technical and highly skilled technicians um, to be the best at what they do. Yeah, there's need, there needs to be more training in this industry. And after uh, weeks and years and conversations and reading comments online, there's so much, <laughs> there's so much training that needs to be done out there. And, and I'm glad you're, you're doing it because um, you're, you're a trainer at heart and that's what you enjoy. And if you enjoy it, it won't even feel like work to you. It'll just be like, Hey, this, I'm training you today and, and we're going to have some fun. Uh, what, what I want to, what I want to ask you, because there's probably people on the fence that are working for someone right now, have a good job and they're on the fence about starting their own gig, whatever it be. Maybe it's digital, maybe it's teaching, maybe it's starting their own physical company where they go out and fix machinery. Um, what, 
what I, I guess how am I going to ask that question? What inside of you said, I'm going to go for this? Like what made you go for it? Really? It's, uh, I think it's kind of a calling to be honest with you. Uh, cause I, I loved working at Copeland. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I just had so many people just ask me like, Trevor, can you do more training for me? Like, I love your style of training. You really helped me out. And I wanted to be able to do it uh, more on my own terms. Like, yes, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, Copeland was perfect. They let me do uh, all those great trainings that they have there. But uh, for Refrigeration Mentor, it's more of a training and mentorship program, you know, how, where I can work with the individuals on a, a longer term basis, you know what I mean, to really help the skills grow. Because I don't believe just a one day training or two day training, it is effective. But if you want to develop your skills, it takes a long time. Like even after 10 years, I wasn't a super confident technician. You know what I mean? I was always either second guessing myself a lot of the time or I needed validation or, or you know what I mean? And, yep. and I really want to take that uh, a fear or that uh, away. You know, I want to help a, a technicians after three or four years feel like they've been 10 years in the industry. You know what I mean? Have that confidence to be like, this is a, a failed compressor or this component's the component that's the issue and not not second guess themselves and give them that mm-hmm. confidence to to make those decisions um, out there because most of the technicians I know, they're really smart, but it's that validation or that confidence or being put on, uh, under, on the spot or under pressure that, that it takes them a little more time sometimes. And I want to really try to get rid of that for them and really give them the confidence to say, listen, you got this. Uh, you know this and you can make that decision and then it's going to really help them in their troubleshooting as well as helping their career because uh, just say they're not really happy maybe with the the position that they're at their company they can companies are going to start looking for them taking this Mm -hmm. training i know companies are going to start seeking them out because highly skilled technicians are sought after heavily oh yeah (laughs) as you know big time you want to know? You want to know uh, something funny that that you said that. Uh, so I'm not I'm not going to name names or anything, but somebody reached out to me, uh, local. Uh, there's a lot of companies in the GTA Toronto area and outside in all the suburbs. So I mean, you could never guess which one it is. But somebody reached out to me, and <laughs> they're like, uh, "Yeah, we're interested in in recruiting and blah 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 blah." And I'm like, "Listen, man, you'd have to knock my socks off." Uh, at this point in time to get me to make some sort of lateral type move. And, and, and they're like, yeah, write down what you want. So I just went to town and I wrote all like, I, I want this, I want that, I want this. <laughs> right. Cause I'm like, you know what I want, if I'm going to, if I'm going to make any sort of, if I'm going to entertain anything like that, I'm going to make sure there's an upgrade in every single spot, every single um, vacation time, pay, benefits. See, there's got to be an upgrade. Like I've been at the same company for 20 years now, over 20 years. You, you know, I'm not going to make a lateral move. So I just wrote it all up and, and he messaged me back. He's like, yeah, sorry, you're asking for too much. <laughs> and I kind of knew that was going to happen, but I wanted to yeah. see, I wanted to see where the value, like where sort of where, who's willing to pay what or not just in take home money, but just in in overall experience working for that company. I wanted to gauge that. Um, it didn't work out in that particular manner, but I, I see it in the other way where recruiters will reach out and I'll go, okay, 
just for shits and giggles, entertain me. What's the pay? They're like, ah, 35 to $40 an hour. I'm like, well, to be honest, if you're looking for top notch technicians, you're gonna have to pay a hell of a lot more than that. Yeah. Right. And I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. totally honest with them. So you're right. Totally coveted. And, um, the people that, that go after the best and, and keep them are usually the companies that have the best, uh, technicians that stay because that they, they realize the value of having them there. Right. Yeah. Oh, 100%. There's a huge amount of value and business owners understand that. Uh, they're not going to pay uh, $50, $60 an hour to everyone. You know what I mean? No, but they're not. They, no. I know contractors that do when you have leaders inside your organization and contractors, business owners are getting smarter as well, I think, which is good because I'm starting to see more starting to vest in their technicians where before, mm-hmm. and it still happens, but uh, contractors are running a business and there's profits and loss and, and it's like anything, um, depending on the technician, they're going to make more or less money for that, that business. And when contractors see a technician making the company more money, they invest more in them. And that's mm-hmm. just the, the way it is. And you'll see people, you know, getting more vacation time or getting a higher raise or, or more money, you know, because they're putting the time in. They're going to courses outside their work hours. They're taking the time to learn more stuff. They're taking project management courses, some of them. Some of them are learning how to become service managers. You know what I mean? They're building their skills as a technician because a lot of technicians, even my age, you know, mid, well, I'm 40 now, but in my mid 30s, I was like early 30s. I'm like, I, I want to make a switch. I want to tran- tran- change from being a you know technician on the tools, still being in the industry, into the role that I went to at Emerson. And I was super scared about that uh, because I love the tools and I was very fearful about what will happen, but it was a great transition. And this is where I talk to a lot of business owners and I talk to a lot of technicians. Okay, you may be a technician now and you may be an apprentice or you're an early journeyman, but you need to start thinking longer term. What's your goal in 10 years time now? Do you still want to be working on the tools, which lots do, which is great? Or do you want to have maybe a sales role or a project manager role or a a service manager role or own your own business? So um, what uh, a lot of what's not being happened is talking like that to the technician when they start out, guiding Mm -hmm. them through their career. And that's kind of what I want to help uh, uh, technicians as well. And I'm working with businesses as well to talk about strategies to build a culture around training. You know what I mean? So, yes, they are technicians uh, in your company, but it would be nice to have those technicians who understand refrigeration or HVAC inside out technically move into those sales roles or the project manager roles to help the business grow even more, if you understand what I mean. Yep. No, the culture thing is spot on, man. The culture thing, a training culture where everybody within that company is is trainable and willing to to get trained um and then a company that invests money into doing so is going to be like top notch because everybody's gonna everybody in that company is is going to know what they're doing and they're going to know what they're doing well because of the the training culture and and the 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 push on on learning and getting better right so um as far as your website here so what sort of trainings are you offering to um like individuals groups like um what sort of niches of the industry are you offering training in for example yeah so my refrigeration mentor rate at this point is offering commercial refrigeration training so i got a compressor master class um i got a supermarket refrigeration class as well as co2 
uh, class. And these are six to eight week courses and I customize them for the contractor. So I'm really targeting refrigeration contractors, but I do, I had so many people reaching out to me. I am actually on November 27th launching my first individual compressor masterclass, a four week individual compressor masterclass, which I'm really excited about because I have so many people reaching out and say, Trevor, there's only five people in my company. We're not, they're not doing any training. Like I want to get some training from you, some compressor training, just so I'm more confident. I'm better at troubleshooting compressors. I don't have as mm -hmm. many failures or callbacks. Um, what do you have? So I've actually stepped outside of that, you know, doing it for the contractor and doing an individual one on the, it's uh, starting uh, November 27th. That's a Saturday. Um, so if anybody's looking for that information, I'll give Gary the, the link to, to reach out to but my main focus is working with contractors and working with teams. So working with the technicians with inside this contractor organization to build that culture around training and working with them over time to really invest in their, their teams and make them feel like really comfortable with the training, education and mentorship side. So when they're out in the field, they can talk as a team. You know what I mean? People don't have to hide their knowledge because I've seen this and I've heard this from contractors where well, I get some lead technician. They don't want to share their information. Well, maybe they weren't taught how to share the information properly, right? Maybe they want to, but they just don't know how to do it. And this is where I come in to try to help coach the technicians as well as help train them <laughs> on top of that. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. And no, no, it does. And, and I see that a, a lot of information hoarding that's happening. And I think from the conversations that I've had with more senior people, when I say more senior, I mean relative. It doesn't have; they don't have to be sixty years old, but they could be a twenty-five-year-old tech, and then their junior tech or apprentices is like nineteen or twenty. So the more senior tech with the more knowledge seems to hoard that a lot. And, and a lot of uh, feedback I get is, well, if if I tell them how to do everything, then th that's jeopardy of of less work for me or like losing my job. I'm like, come on, man! No, it's not. I said, if be confident in your abilities. If you're confident in your abilities and you keep striving to be better than everybody else around you, you are never going to be at a loss for hours and never going to be at a loss for work because that sort of culture, as you, as you said, um, to want to know more and, and that sort of ethic to want to know more and knowing more because of wanting to is always going to put you ahead of the game. When it comes to 100%. hours, when it comes to when it comes to work, when it comes to running your own business and and getting uh, out outpacing your your competitors that may even charge less, like there's there's people that talk about going and starting a business and okay, your competitor charges a hundred dollars an hour. Well, maybe I should go to ninety five because I'm new, and but that doesn't do anything for the 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 trade and it doesn't do anything for you. If you feel your value is higher than a hundred dollars an hour, charge what you think you're worth and show the customer when you get there, why you're worth that. And they'll start, they'll be convinced right away when you show up with the knowledge, the confidence and the results after you leave. All right. Exactly. And exactly. And I talked to so many technicians, 20, 30 years in the trade, and they're still learning. So if you're a technician and you're, you're unsure and you're nervous about sharing your knowledge because you're, you know, maybe lose your job, that's not a case in our industry. There are so many people looking for refrigeration and HVAC technicians out there. And 
sharing that knowledge is going to teach you more. You, I learned more, Gary, right now by teaching over the last few years than I ever did in the field, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. I'm learning because I'm sharing this knowledge with them and they're bouncing questions off me. And then I don't know all the answers, so I got to go look that answer up. That's and then right. I learn I more and then I share that back. And, the, and this is how you grow. And then you get more more hours, more time. I, I've struggled because I had so many things to do in a week, you know, as a technician from me having follow-up calls, finding work for myself and so on. Like you could have easily 50, 60 hours every week, every week of the year. No problem. If you want it, yeah. you if, know, if and you that's just it, yeah. being a regular technician, looking, uh, looking, doing your job. You know what I mean? So refrigeration mentor. Yeah. So refrigeration mentor.com. It's, it's all about training. It's all about culture. You're offering that to individuals, groups. And if, if they want to reach out to you, just use that website. Yeah. They can go to the website. They can reach out to me at Trevor at refrigeration mentor.com, LinkedIn, Facebook. uh, If you want to know more information, but yeah, if you just go to the website, I got a bunch of our podcasts on there and ones that I've done before. And we'll talk a bit about my trainings more on the website talks towards the business owners. Um, but if you're an individual looking for training, reach out to me and uh, I'm going to continue to have, like I'm doing my first four weeks coming up in November 27, but every, every quarter I'm going to be doing these trainings because I know people want this, they need it. And I want to share it. You know, I want to help mentor yep. people in the industry so they're better. And they're going to teach me, you know what I mean? They're, they're going to be teaching me just as much as I'm teaching them because I learn awesome. every time I do a training. Awesome, man. I love it. So this is a good, this is a good topic. Like let's spend maybe half hour talking about this. And it's a good topic because you're now the refrigeration mentor and refrigeration is a little bit different than air conditioning. And a lot of people get intimidated. An air conditioning technician will get intimidated when they have to do some refrigeration work. So if maybe for a little while here, we can talk about some of the differences between AC and refrigeration, maybe to help some of these techs transition into a a call or, or maybe even a new position or or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, and I've had this question quite a lot. Like what's, you know, what's the difference? Like, Oh, I go into refrigeration and then all of a sudden there's just more components and there's more parts and it's a lower temperature. But Really, at the end of the day, if you want to sit down and think about it, it's still refrigeration. Now, air conditioning is just high temp refrigeration. And there's just a few more components you need to be considered of. Um, because when you talk about, say, commercial air conditioning and HVAC, there is just as much newer components in there, you know, with hot gas and bypass, economizers, things like that, variable speed uh, motors and compressors and digital. And the same thing in the refrigeration side. The things you need to think about, though, is, you know, well, if I'm running below zero or 32 Fahrenheit, well, we might need to figure out defrost, things like that. So there are additional components. But if you look at the advanced components in HVAC and air conditioning and the advanced components in refrigeration, they're similar. If you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah they are. And and I th- this goes back to this is why I love doing basics and and and. And we talked last week and I told you on the phone that the, the fact that you are, you, you've actually kind of inspired me to, to start thinking about creating my own training as well, which I've thought about awesome. for a very long time. And, and I was just, and the reason I brought that up is because 
I love the basic, basic stuff because if you understand the true basic and fundamentals of what you're trying to figure out, you'll figure it out every time. And, and the reason I'm saying this is because AC and refrigeration, they use the same basic refrigeration cycle, the same concept, I shouldn't say basic, but the refrigeration cycle, it takes time to learn and, and master. But if you learn the basics of it, of that refrigeration cycle, you can troubleshoot any refrigeration circuit, any air conditioning circuit. Do you agree? Oh, 100%. I, I've been working with a, a guy named Dick Wirtz for, for quite a few years, and he wrote a book, the commercial refrigeration book uh, for air conditioning technicians. And he, he's, he wrote his fourth edition, just came out this year. And is a great educator, but I had that book. I've been reading through it for the last month and a half. I've been shooting stuff on Facebook and LinkedIn about it because it's just so great details. But when you read through it, you know, it's no different than, uh, you know, an air conditioning book. All the, you know, you talk about glide, you're going to see glide in air conditioning as well as refrigeration. You're going to see sub cooling and refrigeration, sub cooling and air conditioning. You're going to see superheat in both. You know what I mean? So, uh, the big thing is, is just the, there's more components. And when people think about refrigeration, they're always thinking about these big pieces of equipment with tons of compressors and tons of valves. And, and yes, you can get that, but it's no different than going to a large uh, chill or air conditioning unit, a package unit with three compressors in it, right? Two or three compressors in it. It's you, it's once again, it's that confidence level and the confidence and it, when you take the time to learn just a little uniqueness, it gets easier and easier. Um, but what I find is those technicians that transition, they spend the time learning it. You know, they'll get Dick's book and they'll read through it or they'll get a condensing unit manual, say from KeepRite or RefBlit and read it. So if you read, a say, a, a York or a Carrier manual for the rooftop and then you read a KeepRite manual, they're, they're kind of all laid out the same. You know, how to lay the unit out, how to um, set it up, how to troubleshoot it. And you'll see, especially on the compressor side, because I do so much compressor training, the compressors fail the same way on air conditioning units and on refrigeration units. And when you have, when you really understand compressors, it doesn't matter if it's refrigeration or air conditioning. doesn't matter. When you have a deep understanding of compressors, it, it's going to make your life easier transitioning from air conditioning to refrigeration or refrigeration to air conditioning would be a matter of fact because you know what is causing that compressor to do what it's doing? Because the mm -hmm. same thing happens in each. What happens to a, a fan motor in an AC unit in their evaporator? And what happens to a, a uh, to the compressor? And then what happens in a refrigeration unit when you don't have an evaporator fan motor in a refrigeration unit to the compressor? You mm -hmm. know? So all of a sudden, you're not boiling off the refrigerant's making its way back to the compressor. So the same thing happens to the compressor in air conditioning and refrigeration. So I think... You're right. You know, it's a little intimidating uh, making that switch. But when you start understanding compressors deeply, I, I think it, it takes the, that stress away personally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and one, one of the major things that I think people, a lot of people don't wrap their head around is the fact that in refrigeration, if we're talking about applications where we're maintaining like a box temp below uh, freezing, that the suction line will freeze. And a lot of, uh, a lot of people don't, understand a lot of straight up air conditioning techs that don't do or or haven't touched refrigeration stuff when they first walk up to it and see a frozen suction line they automatically think there's a problem where 
that is that is a very normal thing depending on the application and that's why you see defrost set up within a refrigeration system where you won't see defrost set up in ac unless it's like a heat pump or something like that but on a traditional ac system you're not going to see a defrost because we're not worried about an evaporator coil freezing up during a regular operation that is one of the the differences that i think catch a lot of people off guard jb warranties is a product that extends the warranty life of parts equipment outside of the manufacturer's warranty. So let's say, for example, the OEM gives you a year of warranty on something. Well, JB Warranties can extend that and it provides a little bit of peace of mind for your customers if they feel like they, they need that peace of mind, which some customers do, right? The other thing that's cool about it is that shop owners, they they like to they like their, their techs getting paid, but what they don't like is on a warranty, on a warranty call, taking that money out of their pocket and paying their tech because it affects their business growth, it affects their bottom line, so on and so forth. So JB Warranties offers up to $300 an hour labor, which is pretty cool. So if you're looking for a product such as extended warranties, check out JB Warranties. So I'm going to leave you guys an infographic, TXV Simplified Education. It's from Dan Foss. It's a very, very good uh, visual to learn from. So I'm going to leave that link in the podcast notes. You guys can click on that and just check it out because a lot of us are visual learners, right? And we like to look at visual things, pictures. Look at the, look at the pretty pictures. <laughs> uh, RLS, rapid locking system. I still see a lot of people calling it zoom lock. It used to be sold under the zoom lock brand, but not anymore. RLS, uh, parted ways from Parker Sporland. The, the, the reason why is public. You just got to Google it and figure it out. Now, RLS is a is a press fitting that's been in development for many many years and the traction is catching on and a lot of techs are using it for ease of use for efficiency uh, to keep the pipe system cleaner because there's no there's no risk of carbon in the pipe because you're not brazing so if you don't need to braze or if you don't want to braze or if you're specced to not braze on a specific job RLS rapid locking system is a valid option going forward if you're looking to rebuild your yj manifold they got a really cool kit for that that has all the parts like various parts to rebuild your manifold which i've done a few times with this kit that kit number is 41099 so check it out if you're into rebuilding rather than replacing so ben reed from haven iq brought this up on the podcast the last time we talked to him that you can turn your air handler your furnace whatever you're using to move air around the house into a air purification system but you got to use the right filtration system what i mean by that if you got a, a one inch merv in there uh it's gonna it's gonna be good enough to filter out dirt that's going to keep your your furnace or your air handler clean like your coil your secondary heat exchanger but it's not going to be good enough to prevent uh humans from getting sick because a MERV 13 is now the standard minimum for the health of humans with, within a building so but i don't suggest you yank out the MERV 8 and throw a MERV 13 in there because you're going to have airflow issues i had this in my house okay what i suggest you do and i still have to do this i got to find time to do this is upgrade to a four or five inch pleat high MERV rating that has less airflow differential across it then you're going to have a filter in there that's good enough to protect the health of the people in, in the home or the building and you're gonna you aren't going to have airflow problems because you've increased the, the the to the thicker pleat because now you have more surface area for that air to move across that's the way it works okay so haven iq is a product that allows you to 
look into your indoor air quality from an analytics point of view, temperature, humidity, VOCs, and particulate matter. Personal use program, you get it at a reduced cost uh, from sales at haveniaq.com. And you can try it in your own home before you go on and, and try it out with your customers. If your customers are looking for potential fixes in their home, you need to find out what's wrong first before you can fix the issues they're having. And that's what Haven IAQ has developed, a way to do that, a monitor and a controller. Let's get back to the podcast. Yeah, it's, it, that is a very true fact. But if they filled out you know, a startup sheet or in a compressor startup form from any manufacturer, and I have one on my free guide, they would be doing all the right checks and they're the same checks for air conditioning as in refrigeration. You know what I mean? So you do your discharge pressure, your discharge temperature, do your suction pressure, your suction temperature. You take your, your sub cooling, you take your, uh, at the outlet of the condenser and at the inlet of the TX valve, you take your superheat at the evaporator, you take your superheat at the compressor. You know what I mean? So if you take mm-hmm. all these points, it doesn't matter if it's air conditioning or refrigeration and you plot them down it could be a frozen line with two inches of ice in that suction. But if you're not flooding back and you got 25 degrees superheat, you're fine. That's right. That's right. right. So you just got to think too, because that suction line could be running at minus, you know, below freezing. So if it's hundred percent humidity, like in Toronto in the middle of the summer, you know, it's going to start to freeze, uh, you know, on there. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then, and then one of the other things too, is that the, the overheating, of compressors can happen a lot easier in refrigeration, especially on the low temp stuff, because we have a very low volume of suction gas coming back to that compressor. And that's why a lot of, and actually we've talked to uh, Don um, Gillis about this in, in liquid injection and all that, and, and how we how we have to, to cool that compressor down on some applications, because we just don't have, in air conditioning, you got that volume, you got that volume of uh, gas coming back that cools that compressor down. But in refrigeration, a lot of times you don't. So your, your compressors run hot. And I've seen oil coolers being used back in the day, or they'd actually pump the oil from the compressor through, um, almost like a rad with a fan on it. It looked like a car, like a car rad, almost like a ghetto version of it. But that, that's what it looked like. Right. And, and that's, that's some of the things that you got to do in refrigeration. You got to keep that compressor cool. Yeah, well, you still you, you're starting to even see that in air conditioning though, and even in heat pumps and stuff, you're starting to see injection in uh, in those compressors. So you'll start to see it in air conditioning coming. That's already happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but in yeah, in refrigeration, you got that low mass flow happening. The the, the refrigerant is more dense, so it's not like you said, it's not moving at the same speed through there. So it's things that you need to be aware of, but it's not knowledge that you can't learn. You know what I mean? It's, I think that a lot of guys are intimidated on, oh, I got to learn so much more. But like you said, if you understand the fundamentals, the refrigeration cycle, you will get that understanding. And then looking at performance chart in some of my trainings, I go into performance charts and talk about it. When I was in uh, grade school or as a technician, grade school, sorry, in trade school, um, we might have looked at it once or twice. And then as a technician, I I never looked at performance chart of a compressor. But now that I look at it, it doesn't matter if it's air conditioning compressor or if it's a refrigeration compressor, it gives you an idea on how that compressor is working. And over time, you're going to be able to look at these and you're going to understand 
what's going on in a system. I, I feel like I can look at an air conditioning system now or a refrigeration system and I can see what's going on in the pipes. You know what I mean? Like when that mm -hmm. happened to me a few years ago, I'm like, wow, this, I'm, I feel good about all the training I've been doing. But you look at those performance charts, and it's going to tell you, okay, this is the mass flow. This is what the amps are. This is the BTUs. This is the volume, all that stuff in these charts. And over time, as you look at them more and more and more, it's going to help you. And it doesn't matter if it's an air conditioning compressor or a refrigeration compressor. Mm -hmm. And where, where's a good spot to get these performance charts? Like the manufacturer's website or like, yeah, where, so where's the best place? You can go like for uh, Copeland, you can go on Copeland mobile. Um, yep. Bits or you can go on the B spot app. Uh, Dan Foss, I think you can get them on the ref, uh, ref tools app as well. Um, I'll have to double check the Dan Foss one, but uh, bits are for sure. And the Copeland, you can get them through there um, and find them. And you can get them either, you can download their software as well. So Copeland has a product selection software you can get off their website. And then uh, you can just go to Google and write uh, bits or software and download if, uh, bits or stuff. And you can get them in there. And you can just punch in the model number of your compressor that you're, you're working on. And then go into the performance charts or operation envelopes and it gives you a good idea on how that compressor works. Mm-hmm. Well, so now that you're not with Copeland anymore, I can, I can reveal to you that I think those Bitzer compressors are like mini tanks, like the, the ones that I, the ones that I, uh, have worked on, like these things are, they almost seem bulletproof. They just run and run and run. And I've never, I've never came across, not yet anyway, knock on, on wood. I've never <laughs> come across a Bitzer semi-hermetic compressor that has had a major issue with it. They're just like oh, mini awesome. tanks. Awesome. Well, it's it doesn't matter what manufacturer it is. Um, this oh, makes yeah. great compressor. Cobra makes great compressor. Durain, Bach, you name it. They make good compressor. It's system-related issues. That's the mm -hmm. problem. Um, the ones that the bits are in, those systems are running good. You know what I mean? So um, I believe if you install the compressor from day one correctly, you service it correctly, and you maintenance it correctly – it doesn't matter whose compressor they're going to last 15, 20 years, you know, and I've seen mm -hmm. it on all sides of, uh, of the industry from every, not every manufacturer, because there's hundreds of compressor manufacturers, but all the big ones here in North America, they're failing because of us as technicians out there or end users. Don't get me wrong. And you, some end users don't want to uh, maintenance their equipment, but a lot of it's to do with that installation service and maintenance. And, and I'm going to bring this up too, because this, this relates to a refrigeration application where this was a, uh, I guess it'd be like a 35 to 40 degree box. That, that'd be the range, uh, Fahrenheit, by the way. Um, and we had a compressor die in maybe late, late winter, early spring of this year. And a lot of, I, I, I see when a lot of compressors die the tech will just go up, swap it out and then like, see ya, like I'm out. Uh, but I wanted to take this a little bit further. So we took an acid test and the acid was acidic and I'm like, okay, well now we know the acid's acidic. So now we're going to put a, a cleanup dryer on the suction side. Right. Um, and then we're going to come back and check it later without checking that originally somebody might've just came along and just swapped the compressor out, maybe, maybe installed a new liquid line dryer and then just 
took off and never came back and, and rechecked it. So these are the things that when you talk about compressor longevity, um, even if it fails, but the next compressor that goes in, we have to find out why why it failed and, and things that could cause that new one to go as well. Or otherwise, I don't think you're doing your job properly. Well, well, you're not. But you, I can't blame all the technicians because even myself, before I worked for a large manufacturer, um, I didn't know. Nobody taught me. You know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah. I was taught, okay, the compressor failed, change it out. Nobody was showing, pulling heads off for me or, you know, cutting open scrolls and saying, this is what you need to look for, you know, and that's why I'm starting Refrigeration Mentor. I started Refrigeration Mentor to really help guide people that you need to take that extra step. Yes, there's going to be times when you can't cut open a compressor. You're not going to cut everyone open. There's going to be times when you can't do it on site, but if you want to be a great technician, not a good technician, you want to be a great technician, you take that out and you'll take it home or back to the shop and cut it open after work or on a weekend if you have to. The great technicians, you don't, you know, one of the things I'll tell you right now, Gary, that I was taught when I was a uh, young apprentice was, um, you know, you do not go to training or you don't do anything unless you're getting paid. That's what people were telling me. And for a few years, that's what I was telling myself. Well, if they're not paying me, I'm not going to train. Technicians out there do not do that. I've learned more uh, paying for training on my own, doing it on my own time. And I became an expert because I spent my time doing it on my own time. And what that did for me was made me more confident and confident in my job. I wasn't stressing out when I got home. Did I fix that job? Did I fix that compressor? Did I change that valve right? I was like, I crushed that job today because I did this training on my own or I read in the evening and I've, I was able to crush it and I, I don't stress about that. You know what I mean? It took me a long time to learn that. So for any young technician out there, take as much training as you can. 100%, if you're doing a job, you should be getting paid for it. But if you need to learn more outside your job, you need to do that too. Because there's going to be lots of hours where you don't get paid. Because I've went to many jobs where I thought I messed up and I drove back and I didn't pay. I didn't charge that time because that was me not fixing the job the first time. You know, so you can't charge a customer. You can't charge your company where you are making mistakes. You know, you'll get away with it sometimes. But you, the expert technicians out there, they go and they learn outside their work hours. Just like you do. Right, Gary? Yep. Yeah, no, hundred percent. This I'm not getting. Uh, the, the the company I work for is not paying me for this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. And I'm, lear- I'm learning right now. Um, so, and that's one of the reasons why. To be honest with you, this is one of the reasons why I started the whole HVAC know it all thing is because I felt like I was getting stale and I was going down this path of uh, I, I don't know if I like this anymore and I I need something to invigorate me. And what you said when you started teaching is when you started to learn more. When I started this thing five years ago, man, I thought I knew stuff. I didn't know shit. I didn't know, sh- I didn't know <laughs> yeah, shit. I, I, know, I didn't know shit, know. right? Yeah, I thought I knew I stuff. I didn't know anything. Now, yeah. now, five years into this, 25 years into being in the trade, pretty much, I feel like I'm just scratching the surface now. I hear you. I feel the same thing, brother. I feel the same thing. So getting back to your point before is when you have a failed compressor or a component, you need to really understand why it failed. So if you take it back to the shop, take it back to your place, cut it open, inspect it. Semi-hermetics are super easy. You just pull the heads off and you look. If it's outside warranty, it's even easier. You know what I mean? Pull the heads off. Most compressor manufacturers 
large ones, they want you to inspect it. You know, maybe if it's a second or third failure, they may be like, okay, just send it back to us because there's so many failures. They don't want, but like most uh, hermetic manufacturers want you to look inside to figure out why that happened. So it doesn't happen the next time because they Mm -hmm. don't want two or three compressors coming back because, you know, it's costing everybody money and it's just cost you maybe your pride, you know what I mean? Or your, your confidence and maybe not. But for me, when I had a failed compressor because of me, it, it really hurt to be honest. It's like, son of a, ah, that was, that was my fault, I guess, because I was the guy there to install to set it up. And a week later, that same compressors failed, right? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. it happens. Yeah, that's, that's not a good feeling at all uh, for anybody. It doesn't matter <laughs> how long you've been in the business. Actually, I think the longer you've been in the business, it's, yeah. it sucks. It sucks more because it's, it's but a it kick in the, the balls. But um, yeah. So some other differences with, with AC and refrigeration, and we've talked about this before, I believe on the podcast, but I know that, uh, and, and somebody asked me this today about a scroll compressor and can I pump it down? And, and I know that a refrigeration, as far as Copeland scrolls anyway go, as far as pumping down, AC and refrigeration compressors are different because they have a different relief valve setting right depending on the uh the compression ratio type thing yeah exactly so if you got into the performance charts um you can see the operation envelope of them and so air conditioning compressors they're designed differently they're not designed to do a 20 to 1 compression ratio over 11 to 1 on the copeland ones uh, it's going to unload so when you get 11 to 1 compression ratio and uh, how you do compression ratio it's absolute uh, discharge over absolute suction. Okay. So, and that's taking your gauge pressure and add an absolute, which is 14.7. I usually do 15. Um, and then you do that calculation, but over 11 to one on the, the air conditioning Copeland scrolls, it will unload. So if you try to pump down a, a 410A compressor or a ZP compressor or a ZP compressor, when you get that around to that 11 to one, what happens is, is that, um, floating seal will start to unbalance that's on top of the fixed scroll and separate them and this is to protect the compressor from going into a deep vac Mm because you don't want scrolls to run into a vacuum Mm -hmm. and then on the the refrigeration one it's up to 26 to 1 so you can get to that low temp you know you can run it around a 5 psi or or 10 psi and then you you know because you know if it's really hot out and it's say 404 and you're running at 250 you know you need that higher compression ratio to handle it and this is why you need sometimes like liquid injection or vapor injection or demand cooling to cool it because that compression ratio is so high and you're running really hot mm-hmm. yeah so that that's that's good to know because uh, uh going back to uh a call I did a couple of years ago on the, on this one, I can't remember. It, it was minus something or other, maybe like minus 20, minus 20 ish was the box temperature degrees Celsius. We had a compressor that was getting extremely hot and what was happening to it is it was shutting down uh, or the scrolls were disengaging and, but the, the motor was still running and people would go up to it and go, geez, uh, this compressor I think has failed because it's not pumping anymore, but there's a note slapped right on the side of the thing that if it's yeah. hot, it, it's the scrolls have basically disengaged. You got to let it cool 
before they'll re-engage. And, and that, that's a good point. Like the, the, the compressor getting hot. Um, and some, some compressors don't have that protection, but that particular one did. Yeah. And that, and that's why it's so important to understand the compressor you're working on. And it doesn't matter if it's Copeland or Bitzer or Dan Foss, each of those compressors are designed differently. You know, they have different components inside for that specific application. And this is really what I try to teach technicians because this is what I used to think. Oh, I know how scrolls work. I know how they pump. But Copa makes over 26 different ones. Bitzer makes a, a dozen different ones. You know what I mean? Dozens different ones. Uh, same with uh, Dan Foss. Dozens. You know what I mean? And then you have LG and then you have Panasonic. You have all these different ones. They work differently, you know, even if it's the same manufacturer, they have different components inside them to protect them for those different applications. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know what you see a lot too, um, when it, like a, a lot of AC guys, a lot of AC techs, they don't see receivers a lot on a system, right? Like yeah, you, yeah. In, in, unless you're working on, there's some applications where, where, where you, you will see a receiver on an air conditioning system. I'm not saying they don't have them. I'm saying yeah. you don't see them a lot. And, and I think that's receivers trip a lot of people up too, because they don't really understand what they're for. Um, but basically they're just there to store refrigerant. And, and, and in my experience in the summertime, it stores all that refrigerant. It's not really being used. Uh, but in the winter time, when that, because we have a pressure temperature relationship, as the outside temperature falls, the refrigerant pressure falls. And when the refrigerant pressure falls, it needs to build more pressure in the system now um, in order to, to get that compression ratio. And where does it get it from? It takes it from the receiver where that refrigerant is being stored, right? I don't know if yeah, you have so, anything to add to that. Go ahead. Yeah, no, a good, good uh, point would be like... Um, Liebert units. I'm sure you worked on Liebert units, right? So lots, air conditioning, lots. you have to run in the wintertime because a lot of times air conditioning, you don't run in the wintertime here. You know what I mean? You use economizers. Yeah. But in data centers, for example, you need to have mechanical cooling. Other, most of the other, we're using heat, not really air conditioning, a lot of the other buildings, right? Mm -hmm. But if you look at Liebert units, a lot of them would have that receiver on there because you got to run that mechanical cooling in the winter. And so just exactly like you said, um, why you need is to store it and then you'll have it in the winter. So that is a, a, a difference. Um, but what you need to do as a technician, if you're an air conditioning technician, and you're working on a refrigeration unit or you know you're going to go work on a refrigeration unit. It doesn't matter if it's a pop cooler, condenser or a rack. Get the manual and read it. Take the time. Spend, you know, 20 minutes reading it two nights before and then 20 minutes the night before and then that day read it on your lunch break you know because you got to learn because what happens a lot of times i feel and i've even been there where we're not taking action you know oh i got to work on this equipment but i don't i'm not learning it so you got to go out and learn it you know what i mean if you want to get better and the first time it's not going to be easy working on it the second time it'll get a little easier by the 20 or 30th time you're working on it and you read the manual and you understood the manual and you went and watch YouTube videos and you call Gary up and you listen to podcasts and, you know, you, you, over time you start to get more skilled at that piece of equipment. But it takes time. A lot of people yeah. want to happen overnight and say, okay, I, I just read it once. No, I read manuals dozens of times. The same one over and I, over and over again. I agree with that. I agree with that. And and I have, a, I have another add-on to that and something that I've done through the years is I draw out the circuit if it's got it. if it's got 
added components. And I used to do this with, um, with floodback controls that use the receiver because I didn't, I couldn't wrap my head around how it worked with, it had like a, like a headmaster, some people call them or like a, an ORI an ORD combination type thing where basically the valve would hold back refrigerant in the condenser to build the pressure up, um, using the refrigerant from the receiver. Basically, um, it, it would, it would all collect in the condenser, build up and pressurize it. And then once it got to a certain pressure, it would release it. And that's how it would work in the winter time to build, to keep that head pressure up. And I didn't understand how they work. So I would draw the thing out every time I sat in front of it, I would draw it out and I would draw, follow it with my pen or my finger until I understood it. And now to now, like I can look at it and, and I don't even have to blink an eye. Like you said, you can see the refrigerant moving in the pipes and after you do that so many times, yeah, you sort of get that sort of, as I call it, the HVAC sixth sense. You sort of see, <laughs> yeah. you sort of see beyond um, just the, the 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 equipment sitting there and and just doing its thing. You see internally into it and how it's operating. And I think that if you understand it that deeply, you start to you start to have that sort of sixth sense. Oh, for sure. And uh, that's a great point. You said you more technicians need to be drawing out electrical circuits, mechanical circuits. If you want to start learning, um, you don't, and you don't have to be working on that equipment yet, but if you know, you want to get into refrigeration, you got to start today. So if you're listening right now and you're an AC tech and you want to get in refrigerator, today's your day to start. Don't wait till tomorrow, not next week or three months down the road. Start learning today, go to Sporland website. So you talk about ORDA or ORAI, um, or, you know, go in and learn those components, read the manuals. Sporland has tons of them out there. Dan Foss has tons of them out there and find one manual and learn that manual. Learn, mm-hmm. understand how to, how it works. If you don't understand how it works, read it again. If you still don't understand how it read it again, you mm-hmm. know, and then if you still don't understand, you ask a question to somebody, do you know how, uh, an ORI works? Uh, I, I think this is how it works. Okay. Ask somebody else, you know what I mean? Do you know how an ORI works? Go on to uh, uh, Facebook or social media, LinkedIn. Ah, don't go on to Facebook. <laughs> go don't on to go your, on to Facebook. Go on to uh, HVAC Know-It-All app. Ask a question, right? Yeah. Ask the question. And, you know, ask different people too. Don't just take, don't just ask one person. Ask multiple people. Mm-hmm. And then you can come up with your own um your own answer reach out to yeah. the manufacturer they're, they're great at helping might take yeah. a little bit of time depending on the manufacturer to get the answer yeah if, but, you, get, if you can get a hold of them that's that's the yeah. tough part but do your research that's the big thing when you start when i started learning how to do research and refrigeration man my job got a lot easier because i can go and find i can go find the stuff from sporland for for example find that read that information go on to youtube look up a video from someone see if they're kind of accurate to what the manufacturer's saying um and do some self self-evaluation of that component so i'm just talking about one component here yeah yeah cool man well i mean i'm almost i'm almost ready for bed trevor i don't know about you but um that's just the way i roll these days i go to bed at like 10 o'clock but <laughs> what do you drink what do you drink in there you having a, a glass of wine or what yeah it would be nice no i just freshen up with <laughs> is that some kool-aid <laughs> oh it looks oh it's just a colored glass yeah are you drinking kool-aid or wine or something anyway <laughs> it should be i i want to i want to i want to help drive i was actually talking to uh 
Martin King last week about his his courses, his uh, Process Chiller Academy, and I and I'm, I like what he's doing. And I'm like Martin, I want to I want to drive more people to you. And Trevor, also, I want to drive more people to you that's looking for training. So again, refrigerationmentor.com, right? And your email yeah. address is say, shoot shoot your your email address again. Uh, it's Trevor at refrigerationmentor.com. And then you're on uh, LinkedIn as as yourself, and also Refrigeration Mentor has its own sort of uh, account too. Yep. Yeah, just trying to put more uh, information out there. You on the gram IG? No, not yet. I I I need to get there. You know, uh, I'm not there yet. Um, Yeah, you you got to join. You got to join. There's a good. There's a good. There's a good bunch of people on there, like a a group that I would say there's a tight knit group on there, and and you'll find out who they are pretty quick. Uh, once you get on there, um, that's all involved in, in HVAC and wanting to learn more and, and not being a dick about it and stuff. And you, you get the odd dick on Instagram too, but I mean, that's just, that's, that's online. You can't escape. Yeah. It. Well, you can't even online, even at people, uh, companies it's there. So what you need to do, and this is kind of the mentoring that I give younger guys and even older technicians is that, you know, there's going to be people that are negative um condescending critical you know they might be having a bad day maybe that's just the way they are you know don't take it personal you know what i mean they they may be just not having a good day you don't know where they're at what they're mm-hmm. doing how stressful their life is kids sick family members sick you don't know right so yeah yeah um, true but if they're just you know a negative person in general just stay away from them just say I don't I don't want to work with you or deal with you or and if they're you know if they're really bad where they're affecting you mentally and physically then you need to bring it up with your HR department or you know uh, think about changing companies because there's mm-hmm. if you're a good technician you'll get a job anywhere anywhere mm-hmm. I, I'll I'll help you because it's contractors ask me all the time I'm looking for one more guy or 10 guys I have contractors I need 10 guys not one I need 10 that are that are decent you know so the work's out there well the other option is you can you can throw throw your pipe wrenches off to the side and throw down on the roof and just just have a rumble (laughs) best best man wins yeah i've uh i've i've seen it before so don't go that route be the bigger man i haven't i haven't seen a physical fight yet uh, but I've seen it almost get to that point, but I've never seen a physical altercation before. But yeah, I, I definitely have on some construction sites. So don't need to get to that point and walk away, be the bigger person. Even if you're mad, I've, I've seen, I've been very mad on sites before, but it's, it's not worth it. You know, it's not, it's mm-hmm. not worth it. And, uh, you, this is a good industry to be in. There's so much opportunity out there and, uh, yeah, if I, I can help any, anyone out there, reach out to me, reach out to me on LinkedIn, reach out to me on my website, and uh, I'll try to share as much knowledge as I can. Well, that's it, guys. Check out refrigerationmentor.com. Thank you, Trevor. Once again, thank you to the Master Group. I'm out. Happy HVACing. Hope you enjoyed the show. Follow HVAC Know It All on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, and anywhere else Gary feels like popping up. This has been a Two Smokes and a Coffee production.